0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 554, with Maddie Bailey of Modern Draft.
1: Uh, Basically, education is key in every aspect, including draft. Educate yourself before you buy a draft system. Don't think it's something to write off. Don't think it's something a distributor should put in for you. You know, it is one of those things that with beer nowadays, you can save so much money and you can be such a better product by buying the right products.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Introducing Ethics Suite, the first and only misconduct, theft, and fraud reporting platform exclusively for the restaurant industry. Check out restaurantethics.com to see how restaurant employees can report any concerns anonymously, easily, and securely from any device with internet connection. However, if you're an owner or manager, you should check out ethicssuite.com slash restaurantunstoppable for more information on how you can monitor and respond to these reports and stay informed about issues that could affect your business and your reputation. One more time, that's ethics restaurantunstoppable slash restaurant unstoppable. Cash flow It's something every small business is worried about, and it's hard to know at any given moment how you're doing, and worse, it's virtually impossible to predict the future. Until now, welcome to CashflowTool.com, the ultimate companion for any small business using QuickBooks. CashflowTool.com gives you instant visibility on any device anywhere of your cash flow, and it also alerts for unexpected expenses. On top of all this, it analyzes your past finances and projects how much money your company will have tomorrow, next week, and next month. Go to to www.cashflowtool.com/unstoppable and enter promotional code Unstoppable at checkout and receive Pro features at the essential features price. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Maddie Bailey. Maddie, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. So, hailing from North. Andover, Massachusetts. Maddie Matt, Bailey got his start in the industry as a line cook. He would go on to Columbus Hospitality Group and Garrett Harker's family of restaurants. It was at Row 34 where Maddie met his 2B partner, Christopher Kroll, and realized something in the draft system world had to change. In 2016, a modern draft was born. And I got to say, Matty, I'm super excited for this conversation. Uh, we just had Michael Cooney on the show. He's who recommended you. And uh, there's just so much potential in this industry. I think people are so narrow-minded uh, on the path they can take once getting into the industry. Like yeah. you you are a cook or a, a server or a GM or a sous chef or an executive chef. Then you own your own restaurant. Someday.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it almost seems like a lot of people think their path is predestined.
0: Yeah, but you're a perfect example of challenge the, the status quo. Like if yeah. you find a way to do something better and you can do it better, then – that's a business opportunity right yeah. there. I don't think people capitalize on that nearly enough. So that's kind of why you're here today. And just, again, a special shout out to Michael Cooney for, for putting you on my radar. I can't wait to dive into your story to find out how you got to where you are today and to extract some knowledge around draft beer systems. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Okay, so I have to steal someone
1: else's because it's something that changed my life. But when I worked at the Columbus Hospitality Group, Jamie's motto is, perfect will be just fine.
0: Perfect will be just fine. Dive into that. How does that resonate with
1: you? So basically, it was the whole ideal of, uh, you know, don't accept anything less. Mm -hmm. And it was the details and making sure that nothing is missed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's true hospitality. It's just basically the ideal that... That can translate into so many things other than restaurants. It's just something, it's a standard you set for yourself and you don't waver. And like a funny quote from him one day was, uh, I was leaving to the group, to go on to open other restaurants and asked him for a nugget of wisdom as I walked out his door. And he said to me, make sure when you're choosing your cutlery, you get a salad fork that can pierce mescaline greens. <laughs> and I was just sitting there and I'm like, that's my nugget of wisdom, like a salad fork that can pierce baby greens. And when you think back on it, it's just every detail matters. Yeah. And it's that was the whole things.
0: point. Yeah. It's a little things that people will pick up on that, like the subtleties, right? Yeah. Um. So when did you know you're going to commit your life to this industry?
1: Uh, pretty much my first job. It was one of those things where I grew up kind of like punk rock and, you know, grew up, I mean, we were discussing learning disabilities and yeah. stuff like that. And It was one of those things where it was a really accepting culture and it was also, you know, when you grow up punk rock and you grow up a lot of those things, you tend to have a lot of passion and it was an industry that fed passion. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it wasn't like trying to crush you for having passion. It was like motivating you because you have passion.
0: Yeah. I think we should go a little bit deeper into that because I think it's worth, because it's come up a couple of times. Uh, Time and time again, I meet people and we're talking about dyslexia. Yeah. Basically, you're dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. i made a life out of traveling to restaurants to talk to successful restaurant tours. It's amazing how many people I come across are dyslexic. It's enough so that it's a trend and it's worth diving into. So you have a theory as to why people do really well in this industry who have dyslexia. Yeah, What's your theory? And then I'll compound off of the other things.
1: <clears throat> so my theory is that, you know, we're visual learners. Yeah, It's something where, you know, a lot of us have with dyslexia, have issues with our spelling. And so we're embarrassed to write. We, you know have issues with yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and basically what it is is that uh in the the food world you work with your hands in the restaurant industry you can study and know everything about regions of wine and never really have to write a paper about it because when you have a learning disability or dyslexia it's not that you're not smart it's that you have to find your way to there's a disconnect yes. you know there's yeah. a
0: disconnect in the 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 message the pathway to getting it from wherever it is in the world into your brain yep uh and that's the easiest way I know how to explain it. Uh, but there's tons of, of we when we kind of got into detail earlier, do you want to go there? Sure. Okay, so uh, I was reading Maxim, Malcolm Gladwell's David versus Goliath. And in that book, basically that book's about people that have challenges, disabilities or whatever that go on and do amazing things and why does this happen and why does a little guy win sometimes? And uh, he's talking about dyslexia mm-hmm. and the, some of the things that they, that came up are the fact that we are born Um, with this disability. So we find other creative ways that are usually soft skills to to make up for our weaknesses. But those soft skills later in life translate to being an edge. Well, and the
1: the word you just used was perfect. You said creative. Yeah. And that's what it is, is you're forced to be creative. And then once you're forced to be creative, all of a sudden being creative is not so hard. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where I don't know in your case, but in my case, I've always been obsessed with the whys. Mm. And so basically like, why when you refrigerate a tomato does it get more mealy why when you freeze a steak is it less tender and it's more like the idea of oh i know a steak is less tender when you freeze it but i want to know why
0: never satisfied never satisfied with just because yes Uh, i think i am guilty of of that as well but i mean the reason why i want to go into this because i i I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people that are listening to this podcast are dyslexic and they think to themselves Mm -hmm. hey um because of this challenge, I'm never destined to do great things. I'm always just going to be a line cook or whatever. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, you develop certain skills when you're younger to be able to be just as good as everybody else, given the, the standard, the standards were put into it in the school system. Right. And then those soft skills are going to be uh, an asset to you later in life, whether that be creativity, like you're talking about or social or emotional intelligence or, uh, you know, be positive and you actually have an edge. And to me also, it's like you get used to frustration. <laughs> exactly. Like well, you, that's the other thing we talked about. Yeah. Too.
1: It's like basically, you know, when you're constantly frustrated that you can't do what everyone else can, you focus more on what you can do that everyone else can't.
0: Yeah. And I think you're also used to being uh, not as good, right? So in your mind, you have to work twice as hard to be mm-hmm. as good. And then that also translates better and later in life because you're outworking everybody. And we know in the restaurant industry, your stamina, your ability to just do work is a huge like just yeah I don 't even know the word it's just, it's a it's an edge for sure, yeah, um cool, I think we proved our point uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff, check one for dyslexic people, uh okay, moving forward uh so that was a big lesson you you, you drew from what was his name again, Jamie Mama, Jamie, okay, yeah. any other lessons here that are worth diving into before moving on to your time at
1: <sighs> yeah 14. um, some funny ones are like when I was working. With uh, the Harker Group, something someone said to me once is, the customer's not always right. And that kind of shaped some of the ideals with Modern Draft. Um, It's not to say that, oh, we're not going to listen to what you have to say. It's to say that sometimes you know better. And you're the professional. You're the one that does this for a living. And so our job is to make sure that they get the best experience they can at the table, at the bar, you know, in behind the scenes that they don't even know what's going on and realizing that, yes, you want to give everyone everything they want, but you also have to know when, you know,
0: they're not in completely wrapped around what they want. So like Danny Meyer says, it doesn't matter who's right. Right. So when you come across a circumstance where somebody is so grossly wrong and it's, (laughs) it's like painful that it's so obvious that they're wrong, what's the best way to approach that situation?
1: Uh, To me, it's just educate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like trying to sh- show how much more, you know, than them, but it's more like when, for example, when I bartended at row, um, someone would say, Oh, I hate sour beer. It's like, okay, great. I'm going to taste you on sour beer all night. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like shit stuff like that.
0: By the time I'm done with you, you're going to love it. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. And that's, that's that kind of mentality. It's not saying now nah, you're wrong and I'm not going to deal with you the rest of the night. It's like, I, one of my favorite things to do at row was, uh, the Hophead. Movement, You know, it was in peak when we opened row 34 and everyone wanted hops, 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 hops. And to me, German beers are some of the most beautiful I've ever had to me. Belgian beers. It's just like even the dirty farmhouses. (laughs) It's just like I love IPAs. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I worked at Trillium for a very short moment, but it was a more learning job. And it was one of those things where it's just why can't we like all beer? Mm-hmm. And so there was a point at which I was actually giving regulars homework assignments and <laughs> writing lists of beers. They had to go to craft beer cellar and buy. And then they'd send me pictures of them opening the bottles. And <laughs> the next thing you know, I had hop heads that were still coming to road to enjoy hops. But they're actually ordering orvals. Yeah. They're ordering beers that they never would have drank before. Dude, and I love this. That's but, real hospitality. So
0: why do you think um, that is so impactful, that approach of taking the time to educate, to care? Why does that resonate so deeply with people?
1: Because that's it's so important when you're someone that works in the restaurant industry to educate yourself mm-hmm. and to educate your guests that it's one of those things that if you don't take that time, it's a less impactful experience. And hospitality, me, is all about the experience.
0: Yeah, and I can't help but think of like Chip Connelly diving into or um, sorry Maslow's hierarchy. Harry, wow, I can't talk. This <laughs> hierarchy of needs in um, personal growth is up there. It's above. Uh, your security most basic needs, food and shelter. It's above belonging. Um, It's above uh, friendship. It's above all these things. You need personal growth. So if you can tap into that desire to learn, to grow, then people are going to tie. That's an experience. Well, they're going to, they're going to tie that experience to you. The most
1: important thing to me is not only like giving a guest a great experience, but getting a guest to trust me. Mm. And like, once you've built that trust, that you're gonna have that regular as long as you're there.
0: I think the other variable too is they clearly know that you're on their team mm-hmm. right exactly. and when you're doing something for people and you care about people to to put the time in to help them grow like they're gonna remember you they're gonna hold any every time they try that beer that you brought that that you turn them onto, they're gonna think of row thirty four in their time with Maddie Bailey, you know what I'm saying yeah and they're gonna wanna come see what's new, you yeah know? exactly uh, I love it so. Was that the lesson you learned at uh, Columbus? No. So that aspect was
1: more what I learned under the Harker group. Okay, cool. Any so, other
0: nuggets from that group?
1: Um, Oh, yeah. Education's <laughs> everything. <laughs> no. What do you mean by that? <laughs> um, You know, it's one of those things when you work for that group, it's they drill everything into you. It's like you could be the beer specialist there or the sommelier there or the chef there, but they're like, okay, great. You specialize in one thing. Know everything. Mm-hmm. Like – We have to talk about the oysters. We have to talk about the wine. We have to talk about this. You know, being a specialist is great, but it also limits what you can learn. Yeah. So learn everything. Mm. And they're they're no joke about it. Like,
0: so how does take us through what that looks like? A day at Road 34 or Eastern Standard. I mean, you're a beer specialist. uh, And. There was a, a whatever else wine specialist. How do you guys are you all responsible for bringing that knowledge to the table and sharing it? Like, how does he how does he organize this where that 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 learning is continuous?
1: Yeah, it's all of the above. It's a, a staff run and manager run. So sometimes they'll bring in outside people like brewers and wine makers and have them do a talk. There's two staff meetings a day. Uh, for about half hour, uh, every day, and every one of those meetings, there's an education component. Two staff meetings every day, a half hour each time.
0: What time were they? Uh, right before lunch service and right before dinner service. Basically, what I'm trying to do is paint the picture so if people listening to this can try to replicate replicate the same culture of learning. So, what can you drop on us? What do we need to know to do it to the same level that Garrett Harker has been fa- become Man. famous
1: for? for- <sighs> That's a tough question. I mean, it's literally just motivate your staff and it's one of those things that you very quickly learn who is going to you know care about learning that much and who isn't because it's like the kids that didn't do their homework you know what i mean it's that constant you know push on education makes you be like man if i want to work here i really got to do this
0: so what happens when you peg those people that um don't want to do it and do
1: want to do it how do you I mean, not to sound rude, they tend to work themselves out. Yeah. The ones that don't want to do it because the ones that want to do it, they're just, you know, they're there, they're talking, they're holding some of these meetings, they're doing that. And the ones that don't want to do it, just sit back quiet the whole time.
0: So what can we do to try to reach that same level of the weak naturally working themselves out? Or the unmotivated? It's a culture. It's
1: not just, you know, pushing education, but building a culture yep. around education. I think
0: it's having that standard too and being unwavering and yes. not budging. Yes. Like this is the culture. We are here to learn, to grow, to share knowledge. And if you can't hang, you're gonna be miserable. Correct. You're gonna leave. Correct. You, yeah. You, that, but you have to set that culture. So nail how do on they the how do they set that culture?
1: Honestly, I that's a great question for Garrett, Garrett Harker um, because it just seems like when he opened Easter Standard's doors, he was just like that for day one and then every restaurant he opened after that it just took the next step the I think next that's step. the
0: secret right there he was like that yeah. from day one and correct. you can't expect your people to be showing up more willing to do the work to, 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 to live the ethos of your core values if you're not doing it right? correct 100% awesome um, anything else that's worth diving into your time spent here um, no, I mean, it was just a great group of
1: people that, you know, flourished other people. Like if you look at the people that have left that group and opened other restaurants, I mean, it's everyone you a leave there a server, on the show. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like you leave us there a server and you're a sommelier somewhere. Yeah. You leave there your GM somewhere. It's yeah. like. It's just one of those like boot camp groups where it's like no 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 you work here we're going to teach you everything.
0: You know what I love about that is this idea of isn't that our job as business owners to to educate to form to mold the next generation of professionals and to help them if you're not creating the opportunity for them to get them to the point where they can create their own opportunities? Correct.
1: That's 100% right. I love it. And it's one of those things where that's why you know when you leave a Jamie Mamano or you leave some of those groups it was funny what you just made me think of another quote was one thing jamie said to me when he hired me was he was like i only hire sous chefs that hope to own their own restaurant one day and he goes look me in the eye and tell me right now that the only reason you'll ever leave me is to open your own place and i was just like Yes, I can say. You didn't that to
0: really right disappoint them. No, uh, no. <laughs> you did open your own business. Yeah, and yeah. You had that bug. Uh, I think that's a really good transition because we're really what we're here to do today is kind of to make an example of you. You're not my standard guest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, like I mentioned earlier, I think we all kind of get tunnel vision, or we all have the stream to open the restaurant. But there's other. There's so many verticals that can stem off of working in this industry. Yeah. Um. I can't remember. Like the the pre-interview chat is starting to bleed into the actual interview. I can't remember what was discussed earlier, but I used uh, Nick Kakanis as an example of somebody who had no restaurant industry experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came into the restaurant industry uh, with the Alinea group in Chicago and turned the industry upside down because he said, why are people doing it this way? There's better ways to do it. And he challenged every uh, status quo in the industry. And I think you kind of did the same thing with draft beer. So take us to the story of when you uh, decided that, well, I mean, there's probably more that escalates to that yeah, point. Yeah. So take us into your passion. For so driving. actually
1: I'm going to share my partner's story with you too yeah. a little bit because his is as fun. Uh, he was a bar owner in Florida and they were just a bunch of little punk rock like bars and metal metal bars. And it was one of those things where, you know, you when you care about your product you're giving, you know, you have people come in and work on your systems and work on things and they were like leaving tools. And, like, leaving scrap pieces all over the floor. And my partner Chris was just like, you know, this isn't good enough. And he's uh, one of the most handy people I've ever met. And so he just started, like, watching them work and learning how they did things. and Asking questions. Asking questions, yeah, yeah. 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 And digging into it. And the next thing he knew, he was, you know, building things for the restaurant and doing all this stuff. And uh, he was actually the one that came up to Boston first to start a draft company called uh, Boston Pro Draft. And it was a one-man show. It was just him. And he had, I think, about 36 accounts. And he was just taking care of some of the best beer bars in Boston. And he was just doing it alone. Um, and doing anything alone is always hard. So and, wait, he
0: came up from Florida to open this uh, draft Did I Yeah, start? it was to,
1: was to basically get into the beer world up here. He was working at Craft Beer Cellar for a while and trying to get Boston Pro Draft on its feet. And basically never sleeping and you know all that stuff because... Even modern draft, we work overnight. So yeah. we basically work almost 24 hours a day. Oh, and man. so. Thank you for being
0: awake during daylight hours <laughs> to do this interview. <laughs> and
1: yeah, and so he was just of the uh, the same mind that if something's not right, fix it. Yeah. And, you know, but like I said, doing anything alone is hard. And one day we had a major issue at row 34, and the current draft company we were using wouldn't come in until Monday. So that'd be a whole weekend of going without beer. And then Chris walked in the door because we called our purveyors. We called our distributors. We're like, what do we do? Who do we, how do we get a guy in here to fix this? And they were like, we know one guy. <laughs> and this tattooed kid walks in the door like, hey, I'm Chris. I'm here <laughs> to fix things. <laughs> and he stayed all through the night. Saturday got us up. I mean, uh, Friday night got us up and pouring for Saturday morning. And then I just made it a point to get to know this kid. And nice. it was one of those things that a second so me and him started talking. At this
0: point... Um, you made it a point to get to know him. Did you have your own plans? Were you were your gears turning? Was this a, a vertical that you wanted to pursue? What was it that yeah? Made so you he want to get to know him? he
1: definitely made me take a turn uh, because I wanted to get into brewing, and so I was already you know volunteering at Trillium that turned into a paid job at Trillium, um, just part time. I was doing it like one to two days a week because I was working a full schedule at Row Thirty Four, um, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to. You know, brew, I was kind of just looking for how I wanted to get into beer because it was one of those things where, you know, I was a home brewer for like 15 years. I was just always into beer and always into fermentation. And then meeting Chris is really what changed that idea for me because I was I was just basically like, I am so interested in what you do. What part of, of what he did most interests you? It was just the idea of you could, you know, I'd never really thought about helping restaurants before. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I was always focused on the product, on this, on the guest, on that. And the idea that this dude just showed up on a Friday night and just saved us, Like I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I was like,
0: I want to help you do that. Yeah. And then it took us about a year. I can vouch for that feeling of helping restaurant people. Yeah. Because there's no other, in my opinion group of more passionate people who work harder who deserve help right yeah people want it so bad in this industry and when you can find a way to help those people who spend their lives helping other people Mm -hmm. and serving other people there's no more gratifying feeling correct it's great
1: yeah so that's what originally got me into it was the idea of helping Hmm. and then the more i talked with chris and the more that we just like started contemplating modern draft and what it would be and all that stuff. We really got into the education format and we really got into his, Chris's passion was to, uh, build draft systems and to design these one of a kind pieces and almost had an artful eye for it. That's such
0: a niche too. Yeah. There's no shortage of restaurants and no shortage of beer, Driven restaurants, especially today. Yeah. Like what a niche to have, right?
1: And it's just cool because like as the the beer world was expanding and all these breweries were expanding, you know, everybody used to just choose their draft systems out of a catalog. Mm -hmm. And because everybody was pouring the same beer. And now beer is becoming more of a centerpiece in a restaurant, which had never been a thing. And so now, you know, when you're looking at restaurants building these beautiful wine storage places that are showpieces in the restaurant, for the first time ever, people wanted a showpiece draft system. They wanted something that you walked in, you saw that tap wall, and you're like, wow, I want a beer now. That's cool. And that was what Chris's vision was for, you know, the the company Modern Draft, as well as, you know, cleaning and maintenance is a core component of our company.
0: So take it from he comes in, you start learning from him. Um, what was the evolution of that friendship? And
1: yeah, that was basically it. Like we just, we both hit it off. We were both into like, you know, crazy music. And, um, but the more we got into it, the, the hard part was like, how do we really get this thing off the ground? And that's when Michael Cooney and, uh, Tim Becker and, uh, John Payne came into the picture. Okay. And they were, uh, you know, we were kind of like rogue. He was about to like, uh, give up on Boston Pro Draft because it was so hard for him to get it started. And so, what
0: were his struggles? Can we learn? Like, has yeah, you ever it's just, it's, back on it's
1: one of the things. Like I said, like you know, trying to do anything alone is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's just you know, financial stuff. It's yeah. getting a business started with money wise is hard.
0: So, what's different from what you're doing today to what he was doing then?
1: Um, I just think it was the feeling that you know you had to do it alone. Mm -hmm. And that was something I learned in restaurants that I never thought was a thing. And so we were just lucky and we met each other and I was like, listen, let me talk to some people. Let me see what we can do to get this company on its feet. When did
0: the conversations first start of you two going into business together? So I kind of tricked him. Um, <laughs> it was basically
1: he told me he was you know, going to move back to Austin and do all this stuff. And I was like, great, uh, before you go home. Can- i headed to Austin next week, FYI. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> if he knows anybody out there. Oh, yeah. We'll in talk in to pocket. Chris about that. <laughs> uh, but basically, you know, he was going back to Austin and it was going to just leave a black hole in the city for someone that was really passionate about this. And so I was like, dude, okay, let's do a crash course. I'm going to try and keep the reins going while you're gone. And I actually was trying to. And I was I was trying to work at row 34, trying to work at uh, Trillium and also (laughs) trying to like, you know, overnight clean these draft systems. And how long
0: did it take for you to burn out? uh did you actually i'm still doing it dude wow, but, yeah but you know what i'm saying you didn't burn out back then when you were working nah, 100 hours that's, a week that's
1: restaurant people man youth, we're we're not amazing yeah and it was <laughs> uh no basically michael saw us and we were talking to other people to get some money together and stuff like that and michael just looked at me and goes hey if your other investors fall through just talk to me and I was just like, okay, cool. Just didn't really think Who about it too hard. were original
0: investors? What happened there? Why didn't that work out?
1: Um, we just couldn't see eye to eye on a few things. Okay. It's, you know, that's the whole part. That's why, you know, a lot of companies don't get money is because, you know, certain people aren't sure what the value of what you're trying to start is. Yeah. And
0: what were the non-negotiables for you? What were the things that you needed to hold on to that didn't sit right with them?
1: Um, it was basically, we wanted to be uh, full in partners and we wanted... To Is it
0: full in partners?
1: Yeah. Like basically own a full share of the company and also be have almost creative control on the ideals of our company. Mm -hmm. And that part always made it hard because sometimes, you know, what do you mean by ideals of your company? um, So the ideals of our company are, you know, basically a lot, a lot of us that started this company are restaurant people Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to look at it like, you know, not to downplay any trades, but like that we're not a plumber, we're not this we're going to walk in the door and be hospitable while we're there. We're mm. going to treat your restaurant like it's ours.
0: You want to, to take the core values that, you, that were instilled in you working in hospitality and carry them through. To what is technically a trade. Yeah, but and, you're also going to be working with hospitality people, so that will correct. resonate with them. They yeah. will get that.
1: And not just be there to fix something and walk out the door, but mm-hmm. to educate, to teach people how to make more money with draft, to mm-hmm. teach people how to you know, serve better product, to mm-hmm. teach people how to... Why, when this beer is foamy, that this this thing where everyone's like, "Oh, it's just beer." That's why you have to tip it off. And this, I'm like, "No, no, no. You can, you can fix that. Yeah, and just go forward and actually spend the time and hold people's hands. Yeah. And how
0: much? I mean, maybe this will be coming up later on. I think. Well, I'll, I'm going to sit on that question. Um, so, what a part of that didn't resonate well with your original investors?
1: Um, I'm not sure because you- um, I think what it was. I was talking to people that never ventured into that sector okay um and then and even michael hadn't michael had only done restaurants and stuff like that but we're talking about cooney yeah okay and what it was was that he saw the value of what we were offering though because he was opening beer bars yeah and michael cooney and, fyi
0: if you guys missed that episode go back two episodes he was a great guest i'll link to it in the show notes keep going
1: yeah and that was it and he was just like because he wanted us to clean his draft system you know there's a lot of beer bars and a lot of people that aren't beer bars can't see that and so he just immediately saw the value of what we wanted to do. Yeah, if, that's your,
0: if that's your focal point, uh, if your thing is a beer bar, like you've got to make sure that's on point. Like You've got you to invest the money in making sure that's done absolutely right. Yeah, it's like a wine bar not storing wine properly. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't do that. The <laughs> only thing I can think of, um, if your job is to go in and to to install the line system, to clean the line system, and, and to educate the staff on best practices and I'm assuming cleaning line systems too. Mm -hmm. Maybe the original investor was thinking you're taking away your business by educating. Correct. Is that,
1: well, there's that, but there's also, you know, um, I guess certain people just, you know, didn't think it'd get as big as it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you're a little more reserved on being like, this is a gamble.
0: When you say this getting as big as it is, you're talking about your business or the craft beer movement.
1: All of the above. Okay. Um it's basically like craft beer was getting huge anyway, but you know, our restaurants really are enough places really going to buy into one of a kind systems to having things designed in a specific way to pour multiple styles of beer, how many of those places are actually going to come into existence?
0: One thing we didn't get into that I kind of want to go deeper into, because I think it's a really, uh, it's a trigger point Mm -hmm. if you're in the industry. Uh, If you see something that can be done better, right? You mentioned this, do it, do it better, do it right. Um, What wasn't, being done right exactly. What was the thing that, that you, that you saw like that? That was really, oh, this is a dirty little secret. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Literally. Um, it's just basically people have always looked at beer as a second class product. Um, and so, you know, it's not, there's not a lot about it enforced by the health department mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Part of the reason being, you know, nothing that can grow in beer lines can kill you. And so the health department is usually more infatuated with, you know, pathogens and things that are going to yeah. kill somebody someday um what dirty beer lines do is it just makes your product not as well yeah. i mean it tastes terrible what's the biggest offender
0: that you see out there oh god like everything it's <laughs> it's
1: disgusting world i mean we used to have this uh this thing on instagram that we're gonna reboot uh called sunday funk day oh i mean i'm we've taken apart a cask engine and had maggots oh crawling around inside of it. And that was quote unquote real beer. Yeah. It's like, no, that's disgusting.
0: And I did a year, um, as an assistant winemaker. So I yeah. know how sterile everything has to be. Yeah. Uh, like I'm sure, uh, is my saying, saying yep. that Pritanomyces, Yeah, saying, yeah, pretendomyces. Thank you. Uh, you can taste that instantly. Oh yeah. When it's in a beer line or yep. maybe something similar to there's
1: it. There's so many off flavors. There's yeah. oxidation. There's, you know, there's a thing called acetobacter that brings up acetic acid, basic vinegar, Um, there's the simplest one is, you know, there's, if your beer tastes buttery, you know, there's a buildup of of diacetyl or diacetyl, however you want to say it, uh, in the lines. And none of these things, like I said, are ever going to like kill you. Mm -hmm. It's just going to make things taste bad. And then the one joke we make is it makes your hangover worse, which (laughs) is actually true. Really? It's like, if you drink 10... You know, Miller High Life's on a clean system. You wake up. You're like, oh, okay, I don't feel terrible. I had 10 Miller High <laughs> Um And then you wake up after having a dirty system and you, like, feel nauseous and your head is splitting in two. That is partially because the culture's in the system.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Man, tons of great stuff. Okay, fast forwarding. Um, you find the right... Partners, so Let's bring it back mm-hmm. there. What was right about these partners? They saw us. They saw our vision.
1: And they agreed with it. And, you know, because a lot of people that have worked in the beer world, we all know the dirty little secret. We all know mm-hmm. that this has just been a thing. You know, they're still using brass in draft systems. That shouldn't be done anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's Why one, that? of, one of our hard stances. Mr. Why guy. <laughs> uh, basically, it's a soft metal. Okay. And everything about beer has is acidic. And everything about wine is acidic. And when you pour through these faucets, you know, they start to break down the metal. Like, you'll see a nice shiny silver outside. But when you look on the inside, it looks like old brass now because it's
0: worn down mm-hmm. so much. And just a little teaser. We're going to close out this episode. We're not doing the speed round, but I'm going to try to extract some uh, best practices uh to leave with you listeners, so maybe I'm going to pull you off of this so we leave something for later. Sure, sure. Uh, right now, we're going to focus on uh, building a, a business out on the, the restaurant industry vertical. Some nuggets we can extract from that. Yeah, so yeah. moving forward, uh, what advice? Like, Take us through the story of building this business and the things that are unique to the restaurant industry when building a restaurant business in the rest. I don't even know how to, call. Like yeah, a, the, yeah, like a restaurant vertical business. Does that even make sense? Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. It's it's one of those things
1: where you said it, perfe- it does make sense. No, that makes okay, sense. Cool. <laughs> uh, you you said it perfectly earlier, where um, not feeling like you have to follow a path. Um, like you know, I cooked forever. Chris worked in bars forever. Uh, it was one of those things where that doesn't have just because you started there, that doesn't have to be where you end. Um, if you see the opportunity, if you see the niche, you know, just go for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think a lot of people are afraid of change. And I think, you know, not being afraid of that
0: change and being willing to take a risk mm-hmm. is a huge part of it. So when you when you come across this aha moment and as you're talking, there's so many restaurant businesses that are coming to mind, like schedule fly. Like uh, I think no, Wait was no, no, it was not one of them. Uh, Talk is the other yeah. one. There, there, there's so many out there that uh, just, just people working in the, in the industry saying, why are we doing it this way? Correct. The, the, I've thought of a better way. So when we have that aha moment, what's the, the first thing to do?
1: Uh the first thing to do is to get a, get a plan together. Mm-hmm. Like basically look at what you want to do, look at what your end goal is you're trying to accomplish and find like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um that was the biggest part of, in, in for me and Chris was okay. finding like-minded people. Okay. Um cuz that can be the hardest part. Um looking at
0: these partners they all bring something unique to the table that you needed to to, yes, to full circle. Yes. Absolutely. Like, like
1: uh so running a business, you know, running a restaurant is a lot different than running a business. You are running a business, but the whole side of how do you develop growth? How do you develop this? A restaurant has a finite amount of growth it can do unless you open more restaurants. But if you open a business like this, you know, we can potentially have infinite growth. Mm -hmm. We could spread into other States. We could do this. How do you do that successfully? How do you break those barriers of you know we started doing installs in vermont connecticut rhode island uh new hampshire you know who teaches you how to register for sales tax in all those states who teaches you how to do all these little nuances so having partners that are versed in that side of business and also uh versed in the restaurant industry and have a great tenure in the restaurant industry uh like just made me
0: think of something i'm traveling to all these states to do these interviews and i like it breaking rules right now as long as i uh, edit them in new hampshire will I be okay <laughs> i think you're fine because you're not selling anything okay cool.
1: uh but for us we're selling stuff okay. so Whew. yeah we have to
0: okay my heart rate's slowing down we gotta <laughs> we gotta collect sales tax for them
1: <laughs> um, keep going <laughs> but yeah and so it's it's that and like you know realizing uh how your partners can help your business excel And, uh, for example, you know, one of our partners is very well known in the restaurant industry and so helps with a lot of connections. You know, I have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry. I helped with a lot of connections. One of our investors is a tax lawyer, you know, one it's stuff like that, that, you know, building this group of people, knowing you don't know everything and building a core group to help, you know, everything is the best way you can get to
0: knowing you don't know anything. I love that. And it's just something that came up yesterday, speaking with Karen, uh, um, her last name's escaping me now. I, I love quoting people and not being. Uh, <laughs> well, speaking to Karen, we just recorded yesterday and she said uh, the biggest thing that, and the hardest thing to learn in this industry is to n- admit when you don't know something. Correct. Because as soon as you can get out of your own way and find people that can help you, it's like the sky is the limit. You can go anywhere as soon as you get the hell out of your own way and say, I can't do this very well. I need help. Yeah. Go get the help. Talk about dyslexia again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
1: I'm not going to... My guys make fun of uh, the emails we write all the time. <laughs> and Chris will write the most beautifully, eloquently drafted emails. And I'm like, cool. I write three sentences. And it's stuff like that. It, I mean, that's a simple example. Yeah. But it was like, to put it back, to spin it back to restaurants. That's one of the first things you learn serving. You know, it's like... It's okay to say, I don't know, but let me get you the answer Mm -hmm. and have that group, have that core group of people, even when starting a business, Mm -hmm. you know, like I may not know how to register an LLC, Mm -hmm. you know, having someone that knows that or knows where to get those answers or why it's beneficial to to be an LLC. So why is
0: it beneficial to be an LLC?
1: Um, you really want me to get into limited liability? (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to, we'll stick to the beer. Okay. Uh, So...
0: What else? What else is coming to your mind right now? Things we need to know. Things we need to know. Um,
1: That new technology in beer is important. Why? Um, Because beer is changing. Okay. Um, That's actually a complete lie. Beer in America is changing. What we did was about 10 or 15 years ago, we woke up. And we realized it didn't all have to be macro lagers. And so, you know, we're kind of a kid in a candy store now with brewing. And we're putting anything and everything into beer. Um, and certain things that are a little scary sometimes are the ingredients we're adding to beer now, um, on a line cleaning aspect. Mm -hmm. So for example, let's say someone makes a peanut butter stout. Let's say they run out of that beer and they tap another beer without cleaning that line. Is there a chance there's still peanut oil in that line? Mm. Now, do we have an allergy concern?
0: I was thinking sugars, but I didn't even think about or
1: oils, oils. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with draft is going so far now with coffee on draft, you know, cocktails on draft wine on draft. Um, You really got to know your products what kind of equipment they can pour on Mm -hmm. Um, and to make sure that you're like we just think oh it's beer. I'm like but yeah that is peanut butter Mm -hmm. like this beer has oysters (laughs) like if someone has a shellfish allergy and you don't properly clean that line when you switch to the next logger
0: never even considered that. Yeah
1: it's little things like that. This is
0: why it's the kind of like nowadays especially Mm -hmm. you need to think about things like that. So what were your biggest challenges uh, getting to the point where you are today, bringing this team together, getting the word out, uh, scaling your business.
1: I'm not gonna lie I was really lucky. Um, it It was a struggle to to find partners that saw our vision and really backed us, but we we got lucky and found some great ones. Uh, but I think our biggest uh, issue is staffing mm-hmm. um, it's It's really interesting because at first we were super lucky. And we got some great guys like Shane, Taylor, Jared, Tyler, Andrew, a lot of guys that were our core, you know, first employees. Like that really gave blood, sweat, and tears.
0: Where did you go to find these employees? Were they industry <laughs> people, bartenders? So
1: Shane was completely random, and I loved it. We he uh, talked to a friend of ours in the beer distribution uh, in thing, and he had moved here from California. And he said, "Hey, I'm thinking about starting a line cleaning company, and or something with draft." and joe was just like you got to talk to these guys because we (laughs) had literally just started our company we were just starting to gain a little little momentum and he showed up at a trillium party at the brewer's fork and me i'm not gonna lie me and chris were Pretty in the bag already. And this kid with a big beard walks up to us and
0: just says, Did he walk by earlier today? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. him you saw earlier.
1: And he's the one that gave me the weird smirk when he saw the headphones and the microphones. Uh, and he basically walked up and was like, Hi, I'm Shane, and I want to do what you guys are planning on doing. And we were just like, All right. Yes. And we're just like, Let's talk when we're sober. Uh, and then, you know, Taylor came along. He was at um, the Ginger Man and he was ready for a change and he's now our service manager and Shane's
0: on the install team, with Chris. And so one thing I want to get into right now, I feel like a lot of these things we're talking about transfer into different industries. So Mm -hmm. I'm willing to go there. Um, you're talking, you're in Boston right now. That's your central hub. That's where you focus on doing what you're doing. Um, what's your plan to scale like to bring it to other cities that's a wonderful question because i am still working on that answer Um, well i ask because you're talking about all these incredible people like uh the first gentleman big beard i'm horrible shane shane um wants to do this right so i mean
1: yeah i mean mean, mean, that's a huge thing we've talked about like mm -hmm. not everybody wants to stay in boston mm -hmm. and so as they move the company can move with mm them. um especially those guys i mean we trust them wholeheartedly and they're they're unbelievable um but Another way is to, you know, uh, find areas that are, you know, really lacking a company that cares. There are some great companies out there, like one specifically in New York, Draft Choice, Anton and Lev do a killer job. Um, how close are you with these other companies that do some of them we're pretty close with like we actually i we also side note we started making our own uh cleaning chemicals with alpha chemical and okay. we're actually starting to sell our chemical to other draft companies do you have a, a link where i can find that for the listeners uh no but you can reach me at maddie at ModernDraft.com, <laughs> I'll have, and <laughs> i'll have the uh, ways to connect in the show notes for sure uh but you know and then like you know chris feels drafts in connecticut there's a couple like really great companies out there that are like us and we we do talk we do share information and uh we actually buy things from them too um like uh Anton made a new component for a cool right that that's all a over a lot of people's heads right now uh but he had it manufactured and we needed some too so we we're there's a few of us that are working together to try and make this a much better world okay cool.
0: um so the reason why I ask is I, I've I can't help but notice that the most successful restaurant tours uh are all friends with the other most successful restaurant. Oh yeah. So like why, when you see somebody who's doing what you do, don't, like, say, let's go get those motors. No, no. Go approach them and be like, well, this is how we do it. How do you do it?
1: One of our greatest relationships right now is with Don at Custom Beverage. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's great. He's got ten year in the industry. Uh, he only does install and maintenance. He doesn't do cleaning. So he recommends us around this area. And so through each other, we actually get more business. Yeah. You know, and it's, it. it's great stuff. It's, it's cool because the industry right now is so small and all of us are kind of working together. Um and just be careful. You know, there are companies out there that I'm not going to name any names that we don't like their practices, mm-hmm. that we see what the system is like when we take it over. And if you want
0: to know those names, uh, you can email Maddie. And <laughs> Maddie and- <laughs> uh, so anything else that uh, you want to get out before we take a break to thank our sponsors and start talking about best practices?
1: Uh, basically, education is key in every aspect, including draft Mm -hmm. educate yourself before you buy a draft system. Don't think it's something to write off. Don't think it's something a distributor should put in for you. You know, it is one of those things that with beer nowadays you can save so much money and you can be such a better product by buying the right product. Where's the
0: best place to go that you know of right now to go educate yourself.
1: Um, there's a few resources I can give you some links. Um, but coming soon, we will, uh, beginning of next year, have a relaunch of our website that will have a lot of educational stuff, a lot of links to places that are great for educational. Micromatic offers a lot of great stuff right now. And Perlick, they're two of the biggest component manufacturers okay. in America. And they offer some great classes too. Okay, um, I'd probably say right now, those two. Um, and then also, you know, just do your research. Just Google. It's yep. a great source.
0: Cool. Um, and again, you kind of had a little bit of a teaser. You plan on including these lessons on your website in 2019. Yeah, yep. That's exciting. I will be coming back to you when that happens, so you can uh, maybe teach us a few more things in the future. We Great. Share some of the audience attention. Uh, cool. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back. If you listen to Restaurant Unstoppable, I'm sure you've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. There are two Things that you need to let determine your growth. The first thing, that's people. The second thing, that's cash flow. And we've got you covered on the cash flow part of things because I'm working with CashflowTool.com, the ultimate cloud based solution for your business. CashflowTool.com is simple. Powerful and predictive. It's simple because it requires no data entry. It's always up to date and it works on any device anywhere. It's powerful because with its built-in cash flow calendar, activity feed, and anomaly detector, you instantly know all aspects of your cash flow with no surprises. And it's predictive because you know your cash flow today and you can anticipate it tomorrow. Head over to www.cashflowtool.com unstoppable and enter promotional code UNSTOPPABLE at checkout, and you'll receive Pro Features at the Essential Features price. Alright, I have a question for you. How can... An anonymous employee reporting program be a profit center for your restaurant. Hmm. Well, for starters, fraud alone represents a staggering loss to the restaurant industry, with an estimated 40 billion in losses in the US in 2017 alone. And this does not include the losses and costs associated with the more than 540,000 calls made to the US EEOC in 2017, resulting in millions of dollars in penalties and legal costs for restaurant owners and investigators. Related to claims of harassment and discrimination. So do I have your attention? Good, because there's more. Employee tip-offs about misconduct continue to be the most common method for detection and prevention, but employees are often deterred from reporting their concerns directly to supervisors because they're afraid that there's going to be retaliation or they might lose their job or something, and I get it. But with Ethics Suites Anonymous and Web-based RestaurantEthics.com, you can provide a safe, secure, simple, and anonymous communication channel between you and your employees to help protect your hard earned reputation and assets. Go to ethics suites slash restaurants unstoppable and you'll get three additional months. So for the cost of 12 months, you'll get 15 months or head over to the show notes and find the banner and you can use the link there. We're back and we're gonna spend the rest of our time today uh, touching on some things, best practices, things that you see people missing, things that they can start doing in their restaurant today without having to drop the dough to hire you. What's some of the things that we can do that you see people missing?
1: Okay, some of the things you can do today. Um, One of the things definitely is just knowing your draft system. Um, Go through, make sure you know the name of every part. Like if you have a glycol unit, great. That's a very important thing. It costs thousands of dollars. It's what keeps your beer cold as it travels, and it needs to be maintained. Mm-hmm. A lot of line cleaners don't maintenance your your glycol unit.
0: What is a glycol unit?
1: Uh, it's basically it's a uh, like a compressor like for your walk-in, and it cools liquid glycol, and that travels along the. Uh, touching the beer lines as it travels from your walk-in to your draft tower. Okay. Keeping it cold the whole way it travels.
0: Okay. So and why is it so important for that to be clean?
1: So there's a lot of motors, a lot of pumps, a lot of stuff like that. And if one of those goes down, the glycol stops pumping. And if beer warms up, it's like the warm beer can't affect. It turns to foam. Okay. And so you're just going to get tons of foam and tons of this. But with regular maintenance, it's going to run crystal. Because like the same way kitchen would maintenance, the compressors on their reach in fridges. You have to do this with your company.
0: No, goal a lot of these units are different, right? Correct. There's so, a lot of them. So do you go back to the manufacturer to, to get best practices?
1: Uh, yeah, or just a good draft company. Like if you talk to us, I make okay. sure, we make sure all of our guys know every unit and stuff like that. Okay, one of the other bullets you gave me
0: too was line cleaning versus full system cleaning.
1: Yeah. So this one is kind of one of the passion points of our company. This is what one of the core ideals was. Um, so line, everyone talks about line cleaning, line cleaning, line cleaning, and it's like... My greatest comparison is imagine in a restaurant, you cleaned your plates, but not your silverware. Mm. So you were given the food on a clean plate every time, but you got lipstick and dried food on your forks and your knives and stuff. Is that what you would
0: practice? No, absolutely Absolutely not. You could, you could have dropped the F bomb. Okay. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to be polite. I'm a pirate. I'm usually the one who be, who's not polite. No, no,
1: no. <laughs> Keep going. But basically, you know, if you come in and just clean the lines, you got to clean your couplers. You got to clean your faucets. You, everything beer touches should be cleaned um you need to regularly you know it doesn't have to be every cleaning but you should at some point take a, take apart your fobs which fobs are the little glass chamber up on the wall that stop the beer from spurting you can reach out to us if you want to know about those okay uh but basically all those component trees matter because beer travels through all of them mm-hmm. so why would you just clean lines absolutely and it's the same comparison as to never cleaning a fork a spoon or a knife but just cleaning your plates yeah. we're not
0: going to get into the how to we're just going to This should be on. Yeah, exactly. Anything else under that bullet of line cleaning versus full system cleaning that we should know about?
1: It's just the importance of like, you know, if if you care that much about what your food is served on or the glass, the beer goes into,
0: you should care that much about what it travels through. Mm, And that's that's the most important. So the other bullet, unless there's anything else to mention here, we're good. Yeah, I think we're good. Money-saving components.
1: Okay. So that was, again, touching a little bit back on the brass versus stainless. Um, stainless is so cheap now. It's like dollars on uh, pennies on the dollar. Um, just go for the one-up. Don't get brass. Brass, what it does without getting too crazy, as it pits, as it corrodes, they break. You got to replace them um but also they cause what's called points of nucleation um that's what like if you see bubbles in a champagne grab the side of a glass that is a point of nucleation it causes the co2 to come out of a liquid okay so if you have less of those that's less foam Mm. that's less stuff you're dumping off into your drip tray okay um and then other things like you know if couplers are wearing out replace them um fobs are super important in money saving um it's a lot of people don't believe them it's just cuz they're used incorrectly.
0: So couplers wearing out, we need to replace them. What happens when the, the coupler wears out?
1: It's the same idea. It's just it creates all these pits and all these areas that bacteria can harvest. How do
0: we know a coupler is wearing out?
1: Um if you look at it. <laughs> I mean it should look always look brand new, okay. especially if you have a draft company maintenance your couplers for you.
0: I know. I've never owned a restaurant before so i'm the perfect person to be asking these questions because i'm not afraid to look like an idiot no that's so. <laughs> fine
1: and most people call a coupler a sankey just okay. to make sure the restaurant industry understands what i'm saying okay uh but yeah sankey's gotcha. um they do make stainless and brass versions and 90 percent of people in boston right now have brass
0: so the big thing i'm hearing is like there's a lot of issues that cause beer to foam one of them being the the material the lines made out of mm-hmm. if, if it's brass that's the biggest offender
1: yeah well that's for those components the lines themselves um, most of them are a uh, type of plastic okay. and there's ones called dual barrier, ultra barrier, all this stuff. Again, we don't You're need to such go a geek. Oh, super nerd. <laughs> we don't need to go into it too depth on the show today, but, uh, just, it's one of those things that care about your components.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, basically the biggest money saving component is the foam don't dump foam that's beer Mm -hmm. uh anything else we need to know there um and the other thing is uh like one thing we offer and i
1: i wish all companies offered is staff educations Mm -hmm. um the whole like drip tray versus drain tray ideal uh one of the biggest things here is there's only a few things that cause beer to foam and all of them are manageable Mm -hmm. uh and all of them just involve education Mm -hmm. you know it's basically Temperature is one of the most important ones. If it's too warm, just like trying to open a can of beer on the beach, it always shoots out and foams over. It's just because it's warm. Okay. Um, so making sure you're walking is proper temperature and your glycol is working at a proper temperature. Uh, second is pressure, uh, knowing how to dial in a beer. And what I mean by dialing in a beer is that um, basically not all beer has the same amount of CO2 in it. Okay. And you need to adjust the line for when the
0: beer has a different amount of CO two in it. Oh, okay. So and that, that's like, it. This is all stuff like Maddie and I have already talked. I'm like Maddie, you know, you know you're coming back on the show, right? Like when you get these <laughs> courses up and you're 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 teaching this stuff. I want to go deeper into these things that you're sharing with us because I, th- I think there's tons of great knowledge here. Um, I'm curious. Do you have any numbers as far as like, an average amount of uh money that's wasted? per keg per Ugh,
1: year there is a formula for this it's actually pretty complicated um uh, but if you just want to think of it this way like you know when you do lose foam it's just money because you're paying for every ounce of beer that's in that keg mm-hmm. uh one of the saddest things for me is what usually happens is uh, a keg gets returned to the distributor or to the brewery that didn't need to get returned it was just you know not dialed in correctly uh, so what's great is a lot of our clients have learned to call us up and just be like, hey, I'm having a lot of problems with this beer, and I'm like, okay, great. What's the name of the beer? And we're like, oh, okay, cool. Just turn the pressure to this, this, this and this, and just a phone call. We so can,
0: Do you just have this on like a spreadsheet that you guys have? Like
1: there are calculators okay. that you can actually download an app for your phone called McDantum Easy Blend, but it's also just knowing your beer. Can you share that app with us too? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just called McDantum Easy Blend. Okay. Um, and what it is 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 just use that as a base because the most Important part is knowing your beer, knowing that, you know, Saison's have a higher amount of CO2 primarily, that certain lagers have higher CO2 than like a amber ale or a pale ale or uh, an IPA. And uh, spontaneous fermented beer can be off the charts or it can be almost still. Um, So just making sure, you know, your producers know, you know, what they tend to brew like and uh, not being afraid to call a rep or to call the distributor, or to call a brewery and be like, hey, I'm having problems with this beer. Don't just send it back. Uh, Because sometimes there is a problem with the keg, but
0: 9 out of 10 times, you just need to dial it in. Beautiful, man. This has been such a packed full episode of just (laughs) incredible uh, knowledge and advice, very specialized knowledge and advice too. Anything that we haven't gotten out on the table, anything you want to put on the table now before we we walk away from this conversation? No,
1: I mean, other than uh, you know, just as care about everything in your restaurant. Um, That's the most important part. Like don't let anything fall to the wayside. You know, Um, the guests, your equipment
0: matters as much as your guest. Awesome stuff, man. This has been a great conversation. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who, that's how I found you. Thank you, Michael Cooney. Uh, Who is (laughs) one person that you admire in this industry and believe would make a great guest mentor on the show?
1: Uh actually it was right when you asked me this earlier I had one name pop right into my head and he's actually a very good friend of mine and I'm just so impressed with him is uh Mitch Randall.
0: Mitch Randall. Look yeah. out coming after you. Mitch
1: uh Mitch worked with me at Mistral way back in the day when we, we basically got hired almost a month apart as Sous Chefs and now he
0: the Columbus? Yeah, it's the Columbus oh, yeah.
1: Hospitality Group. And now he basically uh oversees all the kitchens in the wow. Columbus
0: Hospitality Group. Mitch, if I can't connect with you before heading to Austin in five days, I will connect with you when I get back. That's for sure. Look out! I'm coming after you. And let the folks at home know what's the best way to connect with you uh, if you want to drop an email, or website. Absolutely.
1: Um, You can check out our website at www.moderndraft.com. And we do spell it the pretentious way, D-R-A-U-G-H-T. Uh, or reach out to us at info at
0: Beautiful. And I'm not sure what episode number this is going to be. Um, so hang out to the closing thoughts. I'll be sure to share the short link so you guys don't have to remember a long link. <laughs> Probably episode <laughs> 554 or 55, but I'll specify in the show notes. Uh, again, Maddie Bailey, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. No, thanks, man. My pleasure. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There is another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Maddie Bailey, man, what a great conversation. And uh, I I love that we're starting to break from the mold here at Restaurant Unstoppable. And um, the more I talk to people, the more I realize there's so many different ways to become successful. There's so many different ways to define success on top of that. But what I hope you gathered from today's conversation, obviously, some great advice on how to take care of and maintain Our draft systems, but beyond that, if you're good at something in this industry and you find that you're doing it better than a lot of other people and a lot of other in other restaurants, you might be looking at an opportunity to break out and start your own business within the restaurant industry. It doesn't necessarily have to be a restaurant, you don't have to stay on this one path of working in restaurants and then one day becoming your own restaurant owner. I mean, you can. Start a business serving other restaurant owners, and somebody who, as somebody who has started a business serving other restaurant owners or restaurant operators and people within the industry, I can say that there is no more rewarding job than taking care of these people who exist to take care of others. And I think you, Maddie, are a great example of that. You saw an opportunity, you capitalized on it. And we are, I think, this industry is so just guilty of following standards and not breaking from the mold and there's so many great ways or better ways to do things that we haven't discovered yet so if you think you know of a better way to do something or you you know for sure you're doing it a better way then start a business i mean that's an opportunity right there awesome stuff today uh like always guys i have to remind you please reach out to me eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore and Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable I am hitting the road As you're listening to this I am just arriving into Austin, Texas If you're in Texas and you want to meet up or you have some suggestions of folks I should be getting on the show in either Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, uh, Houston Uh, I'll I'll be spending most of my time in Austin, but if you're in any of those areas and you want to support the podcast, simply let me know who I should get on the show, or even better, maybe give me a couch to crash on while I'm out that way. That would help out a ton. Uh, You know how to reach out to me. Let me know if you have any ideas or places for me to crash, and just thank you in advance for supporting, helping me support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry. I cannot do it without you. All right, guys, that's all for today. Thanks for hanging out this long. Until next time, peace out.